Okay, Ryan, thanks so much for meeting with me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Appreciate the time today. So uh, it looks like we're actually going to be uh, hopefully meeting each other in person at some point in San Diego uh, very soon. One of the first in-person events, uh, you know, after the, the pandemic here. Will this be your first in-person event? You know, Kevin, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to meeting anyone that I see inside of a Zoom square, uh, including you, most importantly here for this, uh, for this conversation. Um, but I've actually been uh, attending some conferences since summer of last year. And um, some are uh, there. It looks like in-person events are, are coming back, but we're very excited about um, the conference in, in San Diego and, and meeting you. But I've been on the conference circuit now for a little while. Yeah. And there's so much to unpack uh, when it comes to coming back to whatever our, our new normal here. Uh, but talk a little bit about your company, maybe before pandemic and then what experiences that you've had during pandemic. I know the, uh, people talk about acceleration, but the tutoring space, man, I mean, that's probably at the, on the number one, right? Absolutely. Great, great question. Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, our, our mission, our impact mission and what we're, what we try to accomplish and what, how do we try to affect change in K through 12 public education hasn't changed. Um, efficacy, uh, research, integration, um, deep strategic relationships with schools and school districts. Um, but what has changed is, you know, number one, everything being magnified, unfinished learning, achievement gaps, equity issues, everything that you, you write about and you know about and you do podcasts on, um, you know, focusing on a spotlight on putting resources in that area um, and then online learning, just taking a, a hyper leap forward, um, really, you know, disruptive innovation um, in a moment of time where nobody wanted that. But I think what comes out on the end of it is a um, an ecosystem just to do so much more from an innovation perspective at a time where there's the greatest need that we probably faced in the modern history of K-12 through uh, education. So um, a lot of the same work. Uh, in terms of, of impact, um, but on, on a much greater scale. Um, that includes both the need and the, I guess, capabilities and readiness for districts to deploy something like tutoring on scale um, at this time. So again, I call it BP before the pandemic, when the, the company's being created and you're looking at technologies and platforms and the idea of, of remote learning and through the use of tutors, uh, I'm guessing COVID-19 wasn't part of those, those, uh, those planning, uh, notes. But now you've got, then we have March 2020. We have this great beta test, uh, of remote learning that goes on. People begin to have discoveries and insights about how this stuff that we've talked about for so many years in theory is actually working or not working in the application. Talk about that discovery process for you and, and the work that you do during those times. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very interesting, Kevin. And that's a really good point. You know, I think before the pandemic, you know, we're having conversations around Wi-Fi bandwidth in a school, the students have devices at all. Um, and, you know, I, I like to say that we were high impact tutoring for learning acceleration before that was a thing. And we were online tutoring before that was a thing that just, that was just our hypothesis over the course of time, but it, it did come with, you know, barriers and challenges to your point. And those are real thing. Those are real life inhibitors, right? Um, I don't have computers or iPads for my students. Um, my Wi-Fi bandwidth is, is low. Um, so we ended up seeing 
you know, most of the tutoring that we were doing was happening in a really controlled environment during a school day programming or in an after school program with like laptop carts being a thing as to how they can do the tutoring. Hey, uh, Ryan and Ken and tutoring is postponed for the day because we don't have a laptop cart. And that was a real conversation we were having. I'll give you another example. Single sign-on capabilities. Clever and Classlink are names that your audience will probably resonate with them. Maybe 5 to 10% of our districts would have that. One of those for single sign-on. Otherwise, it was a log on to every single platform. And so think with the with the pandemic, I think we saw two things. You know, number one, that technology and internet infrastructure and the equity in those spaces completely evened out. And then number two, just the extension of learning time and the multiplication of instructional time through some of these resources. You know, now the Wi-Fi is everywhere, right? Now students can learn anywhere, not just in school. Now everybody has a device. And if I ask someone if they have a one-to-one device initiative, they just look at me like I, you know, look at me funny. Because why would right. I ask that question? Or if I ask right. them what single sign-on they have, they look at me funny and say, of course, we have Clever or ClassLink. Do you have right. a single sign-on? It's not, it's an assumption. You know, it's, it's an, it's a need to have, not a nice to have. And yeah. I think that that's taken us forward in the pandemic, especially with one more piece I thought was interesting, especially in districts that are experiencing, you know, high levels of poverty and need. I think the general thought was once the students leave the school, it's out of our control and the resources just aren't there, which is, which was true. That was an equity uh, issue. And so I think that that's now changed. And I think what we saw during the pandemic was the ability for even companies like us to offer tens of thousands of tutoring sessions happening at home in districts like Baltimore city schools and places where I don't think anybody even thought that that was, that was a capability or that even any type of reality, which is really amazing. And then we're just one small part of that, right? They're doing live teaching and they're just surviving through these years. And so I think on the uh, coming out on the back end of it, it's just, you know, wildly different in terms of how those districts are set up and how they have the ability to scale, you know, both technology resources and, and solutions moving forward. Um, and again, never have to ask anybody about their Wi-Fi speed anymore, which is a good thing. Right, right. And also, I mean, I would, remember conversations about, you know, making arguments for having computers in the classroom <laughs> not that long ago. Um, right. And, that's and a real life thing. Are. That's a real life thing. Do we put them in the classroom? Is it su- supplanting instruction? Is it a tool? Like what about a phone? And yeah. now everyone's like, Ryan, do you have a phone app? Cause we need that. Right. So, right. Totally. I, again, in underserved districts that the phone app might be even more prevalent than in some of the traditional stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's all of it. It's all of it. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the dynamics of tutoring and one-to-one instruction in a remote setup versus, say, the one-to-many. Now, in my own anecdotal research with my three beta testers here at home through the pandemic, the one teacher-to-many didn't work. Uh, You know, where you had the Hollywood squares of 30 students – Half of them had hoodies. They're all slinking back in their beds with one person trying to manage something like that. Didn't work. One-to-one, I think, worked in in many, many different ways, not only just between student and teacher one-to-one, but uh, we didn't have any tutors here, but one-to-one with guidance counselors, one-to-one with parent-teacher conferencing, 
talk a little bit about the, those dynamics and when you look at a, a, a tutoring dynamic versus maybe a traditional classroom dynamic. Uh, absolutely, Kevin. And that's a, that's a really um, great point. Um, and just to sort of tie it back to who I am and, and my family, um, I come from a family of public educators. So in the same way that you're beta testing that at home and seeing it all, um, uh, I'm trying to, you know, I'm living that through, you know, very close friends and family. But for example, my sister, who is a high school math teacher at a school in an urban district that's on a 10 year transformation plan, they've got taken over by a university and they've got like deep work to do. And I said, Hey, Brittany, um, what's it like? What's it like to teach during the pandemic remotely? And she said, Ryan, I got to be honest with you. It's a lot of black boxes. I don't know if anyone's there. Um, I don't, you know, we're, we're being told to, and I won't leave the district uh, nameless, but um, we're being told to mark students absent if they just tried to log in or, or mark them, I'm sorry, present. If they just tried to log into Zoom, um, just giving them credit for just giving it a shot. But really to your, to your point, the engagement was limited. Um, it's really tough. It was challenging. And then when she went back into the classroom and it was hybrid, she, I said, what do they, what do you do now? She said, well, I have to teach remotely and in person at the same time. And I said, well, how was that? She said, well, I still have 17 black boxes. At least I have six kids that I can come and, and I can talk to. Um, and so, you know, for us, we had always, we, o- we always believed that one-on-one was going to have the greatest effect size in terms of growth and acceleration. And, and that's a logical thing, right? To your point, it's very logical one-to-one versus small group. However, we do offer small group tutoring instruction and we have to now on the scale that it is. But, you know, during the, you know, during the pandemic and I think coming out of it, um, I think the value of that high quality one-to-one instruction, especially for students who are experiencing unfinished learning or, or skill gaps is even more important than ever. Um, and I think that there was some data coming out of some of those large school districts that I mentioned earlier that was showing higher attendance percentages coming to FEV tutor than to their classes, right? And so that validates the idea of how do we scale remote instruction and what does it look like from a small group, large group versus one-to-one. And and that's what we've seen. And Truthfully, that's been our hypothesis the entire time as an organization um, that we believe that the one-on-one instruction is going to be the most engaging and drive the most growth, especially for the students that we need to, um, that we need to help. And that's manifested itself time and time again, both before, during, and now after the pandemic. Yeah. Let's shift it back to the event coming up. Uh, now you, you talk a little bit about the session and tell me a little bit about what you hope to get out of the event itself, of, about ASU GSV itself and maybe out of the session. And what are you hoping to bring to the session? Uh, we'll, we'll start with the, the get before the give. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, you know, what I hope to, to get out of the session, um, or what should I give first or get first? You could, uh, whichever. Okay. So I just, I hope to give a, a point of view perspective from an organization that's been, um, focused on K-12 high-impact tutoring with efficacy and outcomes at the forefront for 12 years. And what that looked like possibly to the same questions that you may be asking me now, what that looked like before, what does it look like during, and what's it look like after? Also, what does it look like in the future? And why is that important? And I'm lucky enough to have done this work for probably too many years now. If you could zoom in on this 
crappy mustache I had. <laughs> it, it probably has some gray hairs in it somewhere. Um, yeah, right. I get a one, I get a one on the side so you can't see my gray hairs. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I, I hope that brings value to the audience. Um, because I think it's important to discuss, you know, the why behind all of it and, you know, the point of view, because we're lucky enough to work with some of the largest districts in the country and everything in between virtual charter schools, charter school networks. Um, and I, what I try to do when I'm sharing information is just share perspective and information and hope that it provides value, hopefully answer questions in a meaningful way. Um, and, and that's my give. And I think the, the panel members in, in, in the session, um, have, you know, similar varied and probably more experience. I think everyone up there together with the moderator, I think there's going to be a lot of value there, but that, that's my give. And I think I'm in a fortunate enough place to be able to, you know, offer a, a long, sort of a long-term perspective, um, from all angles. Yeah. Uh, is this your first ASU GSV or have you gone in years past? This is actually our first one as an organization. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think you'll, you'll find, uh, you're going to get a lot, got get a lot out of it. The one in, in August was my first in-person event, uh, going back since, and it was, uh, downright emotional <laughs> just to, to share and to have those, those interactions, you know, it, person to person. I mean, as great as, as great as Zoom is, but you, you were talking about the future of, uh, tutoring. Uh, I'm going to tap you for a little bit of that. One thing that I've noticed is that maybe there's a different, uh, perception of what tutoring means now as a result of, you know, again, these experiences where, you know, when I was in school, if you needed a, if you needed a tutor, it meant that it was something that was remedial, right? I mean, that you weren't up with folks. Um, my kids now more, it's like perceive it as an enhancement or even just to kind of get ahead in a, in a competitive sense to have someone on the, your side beyond that, that teacher. Um, where, where do you see tutoring integrating into an overall district strategy? Is it still something that is seen as, as, as remedial or just remedial? That, that's a, that's a really, um, that's a really interesting thing, thing to think about. Um, and I, and I believe that in general, um, school districts would say things like, we wish we could have tutoring for every student. Um, but, you know, it's cost prohibitive, which possibly is, right? And if you're thinking about tutoring on scale, uh, well, then the budget may not synchronize. And I think that stops a district or a charter school network um, in their tracks about thinking about the scale of tutoring or, to your point, how can it be for everyone and anyone? How can there be different types and styles of tutoring to meet any student where they're at? Um, I think for better or worse, the pandemic brought forth some, some very important opportunities here that can allow us to think about tutoring in the future, possibly for every student. Um, those students who just need some homework help in the, at nighttime or need a quick push over the edge, students who are studying for SAT, ACT, um, and students in, in the middle, everywhere in the middle, uh, down through those, you know, tier three and tier two students who might need intervention or mediation. Um, and with think with ESSER funding and uh, commitment from the, the government and states to lean in on something that can have a very high effect size like tutoring. Um, I think the innovation that can come out of it can allow us all to think about tier one instruction. How can we get cost-effective tutoring across the board? Um, how can we get a style of tutoring that might be more intervention-driven 
and we're in a lot of districts now that have all of that happening at the same time. And, and our, our, my, my thought around it is this allows us actually to see where cost efficiencies are and just where human capital efficiencies are. Because even before the pandemic, we would go in and talk to folks and they would say, Kevin and Ryan and everyone can't find any tutors. I can't find good tutors. I don't know what's going on in, in, you know, uh, in my tutoring after school and I'm hiring people and I, and it's real money and it's funding that folks are spending. Um, and so now it's just, it's just on a much larger scale, but it's the same type of conceptual challenge. Um, and so I think that, that this opportunity right now allows districts to think just how you said different types of tutoring for every student and having a tutoring being an X factor that can accelerate outcomes for students on all levels. Um, and we can tie it to outcomes. And that's what this session and panel is about, like tying that to outcomes and efficacy. And when you can do that, then really anything can be cost efficient, right? If it's tied to an outcome and it's tied to a gain, you're not just spending money on services, you're spending money on outcomes. And how much do you see this continuing to be tied specifically into the district versus maybe when you look at the idea of MOOCs and professional learning where people are just out finding lessons on their own? I mean, how does this become a consumer product at some point? So for us, um, we, we've always had a commitment um, specifically to affect positive change in K through 12 public education. I think that for us, that's going to continue. You know, I think there's a lot of companies out there. Um, and I know there's a lot of companies out there that are focusing on the business to consumer model. And I know there's some companies that were in that space who came into this space to help and did a crosswalk. And that's great. Um, from our perspective, I think everyone or there's been people in our ear and consulting us that would always try to move us over to B2C because of what we could do over there. And I think we always said, well, this is our mission. This is our vision. If we're hyper focused and laser focused on K through 12 public school districts and we're deeply integrated, and we deeply understand that that's where we think we can have the biggest impact. And so, although I think you know, anything's possible and we're not closed-minded, you know, I would say that our, you know, business institution model and commitment to K through 12 education is going to be, is going to be long-term. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's, but I, I obviously see the idea of B2C. I just think there's a lot of choices out there and there's, you know, Princeton Review and all the learning centers. And there's a lot of folks focused in on that market and I think that can be a great market. And to your point, there's MOOCs and there's everything in the world. Think back to your end, to your first point. I think understanding those districts in a really important way and being integrated, uh, to use one of your words earlier that resonated with me, is like the key ingredient to being able to help them in the way that we know we can together. Um, and some, so that's for us is how you, how you sort of get through open source and other things that are happening out there. Because ultimately, if you're a strategic partner with a district, everything that you're doing is integrated in sort of marching towards the same goals as an extension of their teachers. And you can't really account for that outside of the school ecosystem, regardless of how good the MOOC is or how good the free course is, right? It's the partnership that I think really drives the the program design and the partnership really drive those outcomes and drive the value of, of what you sort of do with the district. Yeah. Well, you know, as terrible as the past two years have been uh, through the catastrophe, um, it's also an exciting time. And I think we're starting to hopefully enter that exciting time where just kind of the response and that forced march into remote learning and the, the 
acceleration of tutoring. Um, hopefully we'll just continue to progress here and then we can have conversations two years hence where, um, we're not talking about the pandemic, but just, you know, the, this, this new platform. So I really appreciate your time and your insights, Ryan. Kevin, thanks you. Thanks so much for having me. I completely agree with you and, uh, looking forward to meeting you out in San Diego. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. All right. Thanks. All right, Kevin. Thanks again.